Hey friends, this is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. Today we're going to keep going with this series about the new apostolic reformation. And more specifically, we're talking about these uh, binding and loosing of territorial spirits and trying to heal the land of whatever curses are upon, upon the land. Well, all these practices that these apostles and prophets, as they call themselves, right, self-appointed apostles and prophets, certainly not from the Lord, as you can see from the evidence in their lives and the prophecies that they utter, and, well, they're just their track record, all right? They believe that areas of the world are under demonic control, that every area you go to has some kind of territorial demon in charge, if not more than one, and they do war against these demons with all these extravagant tactics that they use. Well, today we're going to look at another one. This is a concept referred to as generational curses. Now, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Others know exactly what I'm talking about. This goes down to the personal level, uh, all the way up to entire areas and territories. Okay, where, where does this come from? Well, first of all, it is a concept that um, sometimes our sins or our fathers or forefathers somewhere back there in our ancestral line have committed some, some pretty gross sins, right? And God has placed what's called a generational curse upon the, the lineage, the generations that follow that particular person or people group. All right, they get this from scriptures like New Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. The Lord is long suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Or Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. All right? And there's many instances in the Bible where these, this, is, this concept, I suppose, is brought forth. All right, so what exactly does this look like? How does this curse manifest? Well, okay, this is interesting stuff, and this is not something I'm going to get really hard-lined dogmatic about uh, at, at first, okay? For example, you're going to have a father, let's say, who has an alcohol problem, all right? Well, there's a good chance that if he passes on his genes before, um, before he quits his alcohol problem, you, there is some genetic um, dispositions towards alcoholism that can be passed on to your children. Uh, I'm actually speaking this because uh, one of the leading researchers uh, in this area is my brother, Stephen Bohm. He is right now, well, he's, a, he's got his Ph.D. in neurosciences, and he uh, studies the genetic effects and uh, hereditary effects of alcoholism. It's interesting stuff, and when I get talking to him, I start going cross-eyed. I go, wait, what? But there is some pretty strong indicators that that's the case. Sometimes uh, parents make uh, very sinful decisions in their life that actually can affect many generations. 
of their children, whether it's physically because they've done something that has kind of sent the family into a poverty tailspin. Uh, sometimes it has to do with abuse. There are parents that abuse their children, whether it's physically, verbally, or sexually. Uh, and you know what? It ends up that the child ends up repeating the sins of the parent. Uh, there are many things that we do as parents that our children pick up on and oftentimes have to now contend with that problem in their life later on. So there, there is that compo- component. Is there more of a, you know, more of like a spiritual curse type component? Well, friends, I don't want to say dogmatically that there's not. I mean, I, I suppose there are times when, um, huh. Well, let me put it this way, and I think a lot of you can relate. There is a sin in your life, all right, and you continue to repeat it, and you know it's wrong, and you've got to stop, and you know you should stop, and then all of a sudden, something happens, and I'm not saying the voice of the Lord spoke to you by any stretch, but you just know you just know deep down inside, I know it's from the sin in my life. I know that the God, I know God is chastising me because of the sin. Well, okay, like I said, I'm not going to get dogmatic about this because God didn't show up personally and say, hey, by the way, Mike, this problem, this sin you've got is now causing your whole family problems, right? He didn't, he didn't show up and say that. But you just have this really strong hunch. Well, I suppose... Uh, that there might be times when God does punish you in a way that does affect your children and potentially can send your family into a tailspin that can affect many generations. Having said that, again, I'm not going to take a hard stance on that. Uh, this group takes it way farther. Okay, they take this concept and they run with it. And they make it a very central, um, important little sub-theology that gets passed around these apostolic and prophetic type networks, if you will. You you see this concept popping up in all kinds of weird books, and you find all these different churches practice these. You know what, guys? It's like a Christian superstition that starts passing around in congregations. You know, you've got the Catholic Church with all kinds of weird superstitions that are not official Catholic doctrine, but you find these superstitions and these weird practices just riddled throughout these sub-congregations, these littler groups in different areas of uh, the Catholic Church, right? Well, same thing. This would be one of those superstition-type belief systems that you find in more hyper-charismatic Pentecostal-type circles. I'm not throwing all Pentecostals under the bus, friends. Please don't get me wrong here. But uh, these groups that claim to hear the voice of God, and suddenly these types of weird doctrines start popping up. But I want to read you this scripture really quick. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 20. Starting there, uh, the soul that sinneth shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the, of the righteous shall be upon him and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. All right. Earlier on in Ezekiel chapter 18, you see this. I mean, if you start at verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 18, look at this discussion here. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, and this was a real prophet, What mean ye? 
that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel. Okay, this was a proverb. All right, this was uh, this was a traditional a tradition of men. Right, this was a word that was being passed on. You know, just one of those superstitions. Right, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But if a man be just, and do that which is lawful and right, and hath not eaten upon the mountains, neither hath lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, neither hath defiled his neighbor's wife, neither hath come near to a menstruous woman, and hath not oppressed any, but hath restored to the debtor his pledge, hath spoiled none by violence, hath given his bread to the hungry, and hath covered the naked with a garment. He that hath not given forth upon usury, neither hath taken any increase. Okay, so he's going through a lot of sins. Uh, neither hath taken any increase, that hath withdrawn his hand from iniquity, hath executed true judgment between me and man, hath walked in my statutes, hath kept my judgment to deal truly. He is just. He shall surely live, saith the Lord God. If he beget a son, that is, a robber, a shedder of blood, and, hath, and that doeth the like to any of those things, and that doeth any of those things, duties, but even hath eaten upon the mountains, and hath defiled his neighbor's wife, hath oppressed the poor needy, hath spoiled by violence, hath not restored the pledge, hath lifted up his eyes to the idols, hath committed abomination, hath given forth upon usury, <sighs> hath taken increase, shall he then live? He shall not live. He hath done all these abominations. He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. Now, lo, if he beget a son that seeth all his father's sins which he hath done, and considereth, and doeth not such like, that hath not eaten upon the mountains. Okay, wait, hold on, stop. This son sees his father's sins, uh, which he did, and considers them, and decides, I, I don't want to be like that. Guess what? Uh, this curse just stopped. It was broken. Just right there. You see how this is going down? The, the kid says, I'm, no, I'm not going to do that. Now, guess what? Now, suddenly this, this curse, it's done. It's over with. Um, and it goes down and it lists all these sins that the son decides he's not going to do. Uh, and going on, verse 19, Yet say ye, why doth not the son bear the iniquity of the father? When the father hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all my statutes and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wickedness shall be upon him. It's interesting, you actually hear this verse uh, used in support of the generational curse teaching. All right, but obviously, now that I've read that in context, if you ever hear somebody using Ezekiel chapter 18 to support uh, the generational curse idea, Boy, that's nonsense. Sit down and read the chapter with them. It's, it's impossible to come away from this chapter thinking that the, the generational curse idea uh, is, is, well, as these apostles and prophets, how the new apostolic reformation type crowds perceive this doctrine, it's impossible for them to make their point using this chapter. And so they'll take it really far. And they'll start teaching that dysfunction in the family, uh, financial problems, health problems, 
um, uh, uh, relationship problems all stem back from generational curses. Now, I'm not saying everybody who's got a problem in their life it has some kind of generational curse. But this is one of the uh, strange things that suddenly somebody will hear from the Lord when they're trying to... Uh, okay, let me try to put this together. There's a lot of times when you'll have a believer approach the pastor and say, I've got this problem, right? And so the session, this encounter with the pastor, starts off as more of a, of a counseling type situation. The pastor listens, and he's thinking it through, and then all of a sudden things get weird, okay? And suddenly the pastor is hearing a word from the Lord, right? And this is where the pastor, like a, a cosmic doctor, uh, is with the Lord's help, supposedly, diagnosing the problem. And they might say something like, you have a demon of this or that. Or you might hear them say something like, you have a generational curse on you. All right? Somewhere back in your family, this or that happened. And now you have this curse on you. And sometimes they'll even bust out some kind of theory. You know, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, back in the past, you had an ancestor that was a Mason, a Freemason. Or somebody who was part of the Knights of Malta. Or, you know, they just come up with something, right? Um, whether it's right or wrong, uh, maybe somebody in the past in your family committed murder. And you've got this spirit of murder, this this curse over you. And now you have to break this generational curse. Well, taking that to a territorial level, uh, same thing will happen. They'll look at an area. Why isn't everybody coming to the Lord in this area? Why is there such a, a spiritual oppression over this area? Why does this demon have so much authority, rulership, and power over an area? And suddenly it's because there's a generational curse over the land and over the people in the land. Uh, again, back to that identificational repentance type issue concept. Suddenly, now you've got this great big generational curse. Now, how do you break it? Well, that's a whole other gamut of, of strange uh, tactics and techniques. Sometimes it's repentance. Sometimes it's it's almost like a deliverance type session. I remember seeing so many times in the in the hyper charismatic crowd that I ran in, uh, the pastor would do this deliverance session. So it was almost like half demon, half deliver deliverance, and he would start. Uh, speaking of prophetic uh, acts in the spirit, he would start whacking your back. Not not hurting you, okay? But he would make his hand like it was a, a, a an axe or something, right? And he'd be whacking somewhere towards the base of your back. And he'd be saying over and over, cut, 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 cut. Like he was cutting these generational curses off, right? He's chopping down the tree of generational curses in your life or something. And as he's saying cut, cut, he would, all of a sudden he would stop. Like God was so, showing him something, you know, uh, pause. And then cut. And he'd keep going back into the cutting again. Like, you know, God's communicating him and show, showing him all these things in the spirit, right? And he's cutting them all off. I remember seeing that kind of stuff. There was all kinds of different ways that they would come up with to supposedly cut off these generational curses, all these tactics. By the way, friends, you might be guessing what I'm going to say next. Nothing ever changed. I mean, the person would have these extravagant uh, uh, ceremonies done over them or an area, again, and nothing would ever change. The person was the same. The area was the same, if not worse, okay? As time went on, there were more abortion clinics. There was more lust problems. There were, you know, more anger problems. You name it, whatever the supposed generational curse that was on the person, the problem wouldn't get better. In fact, oftentimes it would get worse, 
Because how do you deal with these problems? Uh, okay, on a personal level, it is by the washing of the water of the Word. It's by the Holy Spirit working in your life and sanctifying you. That's where you start. That's where you pray. That's just the, you know, you get in the Bible, you find out how God wants you to live, and you start reading that Word and allowing God to change you from the inside out. That's how change happens. And friends, now that I'm attending a completely different church, and I'm seeing that they are just nose deep in the Bible, they're always in the Bible, okay? Those believers, that family, and this is a this is a church that's growing like gangbusters because they teach expositionally through the Bible, word by word, cover to cover, verse by verse. People are changing from the inside out. You watch somebody come in, they're a brand new believer, they might even get saved at church, happens all the time. And no, it is not a false convert that just raises their hand or whatever and prays a prayer and, you know... All of a sudden, a couple weeks later, they're gone. Now, these people grow in the Lord, and a year or two later, I mean, they are, excuse the comparison here, but they're rock stars in the faith. They're dead serious about their faith, and they're out there sharing their faith. They're bringing others to Christ. The fruit in their life is fantastic. They're cleaning up. They're getting better. Hey, look at that. Fruit. Fruit. Action. Things are going on. Okay, but this generational curse thing, they they break them off and they go through all these great ceremonies and oh, wow, God is really moving and praise God. These things are happening and this and that. And a week later, a month, maybe a month, maybe even two or three months later, they're right back to the same old sin. They're doing the same old stuff. Nothing ever changed. And now we're back to the onion analogy where, oh, well, you know, it's like peeling an onion. They've got layers of problems and we're just peeling off. That was just one layer. Okay. Or maybe it's it's that person's fault or whatever, which actually I would, uh, in that particular circumstance, I would agree it is their fault. They went back to their sin. But the fact is they were trusting in a generational curse being break, broken off instead of acknowledging that they have sinned before the Lord. They have a problem. They have a practice in their life that they need to stop and they don't repent of it. They don't change. They don't move in a new direction. Right? They're just expecting that suddenly, through some kind of clouds breaking open, suddenly their spiritual pre- oppression is gone because the curse is lifted, and now they're just going to magically be able to do the thing now or have no problem, no challenges in that area. You've got to just recognize you've sinned. You've done this thing against the Lord knowingly. You've got to repent, turn away, stop that. Fill your mind with the Word. Wash your mind with the Word of God. Pray for that sanctification. Pray for the Lord to help you through it. And stop playing imaginary games and fighting imaginary monsters that produce no change no change at all whatsoever. I'm going to stop here, friends. I have a few more things to say about generational curses tomorrow. Some of the arguments that are used to support them. And then we'll move on a little bit. We'll talk about this end times transfer of wealth. But with that, friends, I'm going to stop here. Obviously, if you like these types of podcasts on my website, youthapologeticstraining.com, Friends, click on that link that says Podcast Archive, and you can find over 450 episodes now on various worldview and apologetics issues, the kind of stuff you dig, the kind of stuff you're interested in. It's all there. It's all free. I'm adding to them every day. It's free. Check it out. Download them. Learn how to defend your faith. Arm yourself with the truth. Guys, let's get some people saved. And so with that, I love you guys, and I'll see you tomorrow.